Hey squad, welcome to uh, podcast day, week 60 of the Virtus Performance Podcast. Before I get stuck into, uh, into today's episode, I'm sitting here with my good friend Simon Cooper. Uh, we've got some binaural beats, uh, study music on in the background. If anyone doesn't, or if anyone sits down and reads or works or studies for an extended period of time and you're not getting on the binaural beats, then I would highly recommend it. Um, today's episode, we're basically going to sit down, have a chat, talk some rubbish, a bit of a shoot the shit podcast. Uh, we don't really have a plan or direction. We're just going to talk about some stuff that's been happening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode or you have been enjoying these um, kind of random thoughts episodes in the past, please let us know. Show us, Give us some feedback, uh, throw some topics at us and we'll We'll attack them and have a crack and, and see if we can see if we can learn some stuff. So, without further ado, let's get stuck in. My personal and business goal is to be just a little bit better every day. I believe everyone, especially normal people, have a story to tell. The Virtus Podcast exists to help us all find small ways of consistent improvement by discussing the journey and experiences of each of our guests. How are you, mate? G'day. <laughs> What's happening? How are you? Good, mate. Very, very good. Just start. It's been a pretty cruisy day. It has. It has. Up in Sydney. What, been, are we, uh, what are we here for? So we are here for a mastermind event, uh, sort of like a, a conference being run by our business coaches, our mentors at the Alchemy Institute. If you're a business owner or a gym owner, get around them. They've uh, helped significantly. Mm. Yeah. So just a week, well, a couple of days of learning, uh, meeting some cool people and just filling out a cup, I guess. Yeah, it's, right. it's, doing some um, stuff for us. Yeah, it's a it's a good chance to. Someone asked me the other day, like, why I feel I get so much benefit out of these couple of days, and I was thinking that oh, it's because I get to get get out of get out of our normal environment and get out of our kind of echo chamber and out of the um, the normality that is yep. work even though I'm spending two days kind of deep into thinking and talking yeah. about work, it's kind of, it's a whole different environment and I'm in a whole different mindset. Yeah, it's um, a different perspective, I suppose, taking a step out of the business and looking at it almost objectively yeah. and seeing what, what areas we can, we can work on, what needs improvement, uh, what are some things that we can start to implement to... Uh, improve the experience of everyone uh, in the gym and I guess add more value yeah and I, and I think it's I don't know it's kind of important for me to identify how much I actually enjoy being out of the environment like don't get me wrong love the environment but it's really easy for us to get stuck into the like the I don't know, rat race for lack of a better term or the the cycle of <coughs> waking up doing your thing going to work getting home having dinner doing whatever you do and then going to bed and then repeat like especially 
this time of the year, middle of winter, um, it's cold and everyone's not quite as happy as they usually are because there's no vitamin D, so you get stuck into that. Sun just makes everything better, right? The sun does make everything better. Um, if you're not having your vitamin D supplements, get on it. Probably important this time of the year. Need you, need you, Phil. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, and we're sort of coming into the time where we're starting to think about what's next for leading into the warmer weather, leading to summer. Uh, days are getting a bit longer, I suppose. Yeah, we're, we're almost at the stage, like with work, with Virtus, where it's like, well, shit, what's next? Um, yeah. One of the areas of my life I'm really trying to put a lot of thought into is kind of being really happy with where I'm at, which I am, but also thriving for more and figure out what that actually is and what that looks like. Yeah. And for me, that more isn't necessarily more things or um, or more more money or anything like that. Like it's it's all around like more connection, um, more fulfillment more freedom to kind of spend the days and the weeks kind of doing things that do fill my cup like this yeah Um, and it's really interesting talking to some of the other business owners that are real fresh in their business and don't maybe don't have a team behind them or things like that and like they've always had to like shut the doors for two days to come come up to Sydney so we're in a pretty fortunate position that Mitch, Jess, and Cam, and Katie, and Mum, and and the others are all able to get yeah. the ship afloat while we're all up here. Definitely, it's funny being in there, and I still consider Virtus a young business, and we're still growing, and we're still kind of finding our feet. But yeah, talking to some of these guys who are something like one of these guys we met today, he. Hadn't even opened his doors yet. Yeah, it's insane. So it's funny talking to these guys and they're asking us for our opinions and what our thoughts are on on specific on certain things uh, that they consider maybe us as experts at. Mm. Which is a scary, scary thing to comprehend, but I guess it's like very quickly you go from being like a new business, which is like maybe zero to six months old. Uh, like I still feel like we're a new business as well, yeah. but now we're... We're coming up on three years in October, um, and Mum Mum sent me a photo from like two years ago today, and she's like, she just sent me the photo and didn't say anything. I said, "Wow, that's gone quick," and she said, "That's exactly what I was thinking." Um, yeah. So it's yeah, it's pretty you, pretty cool to look back like that. What What has the biggest couple of changes been since maybe that one year mark, coming up to this three year mark? Let's say in the business end yeah. for you personally. Um, the biggest change is it's. It feels like it's gone like like that. Like it feels like it's was two days ago. Like I still remember like our first like birthday party and little things like that. Um, biggest changes I think is just the importance for me of. Like, I feel like I'm an adult now. <laughs> it's a weird, weird way of putting it. Yeah. But when when we hit that first year, like, a couple of weeks before our first birthday party, I moved into a first house with, with KP, which we're, which we're still living in. There you go, two years, and we've 
upgraded the laundry almost. So we're getting there. Huzzah. Huzzah. Um, but like I went into that, obviously became a sole director and had to run the team and made the decision 12 months on to move away from VFL footy and like so I've kind of it's been two years of making not necessarily the easy decision but the hard decision that I know yeah. are right um, cool. and kind of trying like I'm always going to fuck around and be a kid and take the piss out of most of the things I do but trying to trying to take that more I don't know if mature is the right word but more calculated <laughs> approach with a lot of things like I think it's definitely a mature thing to to see something as something that you really want to do but saying no taking a step back and doing yeah. what's best for not just yourself but for the business and the empl- and the pl- employees and the members in the business yeah yeah well that's it like I guess I've got had the responsibility at the start but it was more all around like oh let's have a crack whatever happens happens like yeah. if we fuck up and it doesn't work then we've lost a bit of money but that's it but like now all of the decisions that we make are ultimately like have the responsibility of having um, you know 10 staff whose livelihood kind of rest on Virtus in, in certain certain ways shapes or different ways um, and then you've got you know 100 or so consistent clients that I guess rely on us to provide a service which know hopefully is the best part of their day um yeah and then you know to have to deal with all of the extra added um pressures i don't know pressure's the right word just extra things that you've got to deal with like paying a mortgage and maintaining a relationship and yeah all life stuff friendships and all of those kind of things like it adds up pretty quick and I'm the last person that's ever going to say there's no not enough time in the day because everyone gets 168 hours, but it's um, <laughs> or a day, week. In a week. In a week. Um, but I think it's really easy to get stuck into that mindset and start like, you know, the poor me kind of thing rather than it's just, you know, I've got these hours and I've got all of the situations that will be presented with me each day and it's just how I deal with it mm. that will determine where I get to. There's definitely a lot more planning now, a lot more yeah, um, sure. strategy and trying to identify. Okay, this is where we've been. This is where we are now. And this is where we want to get to. Um, Which is the exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like going through some of the numbers stuff today. Yeah. It's kind of like tracking where we're at. You know, six, twelve months ago, and where we're at now, and <clears throat> being able to see decent growth, which is which is a cool thing. Like sure. Um, I'm definitely not a numbers person, but being able to look at those numbers and go, oh, cool, like, I can see trends with, you know, when I had a week off to do something like this, or if I had, you know, my big trip where I had seven weeks off, how it affected the business and what kind of levers next time if I was to do something similar, I might need to push or pull to, you know, mitigate some of those changes. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, and that's like a... Uh, things that we can sort of start planning for moving forward uh, like anticipating the the ups and downs of memberships and 
cash flow and all that other business stuff. <laughs> yeah, I just put it like, in my brain. It's like in the business stuff. Like someone's like, what do you do with your day? I'm like, well, I coach in the mornings, I go have coffee, and then I deal with the business stuff for a couple of hours, and then I might you know, edit some podcasts, like upload some podcast stuff. And like, well, what do you mean by the business stuff? I'm like, I don't know, all the numbers spreadsheets and numbers and profit and loss and, and payroll and, you know, tax. Ugh, tax. All that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. So it's, it's really interesting to yeah. see how my... Like my days have changed slightly, but it's more around like what my intention is for that day. And I've kind of felt personally I've been in a little bit of a slump for like the last maybe five, six weeks without really realizing it or with, without it being a deep, like a big slump. It was just kind of like I find it most of the time, I find it really easy to sit down and talk about well, what's going well, what's not, what, where are we headed, what do we want to get to. Yeah. But over the last couple of weeks, I've just been like, no, I don't really know what I need to do. Um, yeah, I think that I, f- I find that sometimes. I like uh, assessing what's gone well, assessing what hasn't been done, been gone well. Yeah. Uh, I like looking forward and creating strategy and looking at the vision and uh, discussing ways in which we can add value and decide where we want to be in 12 yeah. months. But it's the, the present. Yeah. which we sometimes almost neglect <laughs> yeah. like we can we strategize and plan as much as we want but if we're not uh, like ticking the legs over day to day if we're not doing the small things yeah that are going to get us to where we want to be then it's not going to happen and they're just like those little fill your cup, cup things right like yeah well if, I mean even like work work wise yeah. if I'm not creating content to put on the blog or if I'm not um, posting things in the Virtus family, then that stuff's just not going to get done. Yeah. Which isn't... Well, well mate, like, that's a <clears throat> simple thing to say. Like, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. Yeah, of course. But that means we're not going to be growing and moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one of... <clears throat> Drew, who was um, presenting today, one of his things he says which is one of my favourites is it's really easy to do it but it's really easy not to yeah. and it's like with yeah. all of the those little areas of our life like whether it's been that extra little bit of time with KP or that two minutes before I um, leave the house in the morning like making the bed or you know cleaning up the desk or whatever it is after a meeting like it's mm. um, it's really easy to do it but it's really easy not to and when you get yeah. stuck in the habit of not doing it becomes easier and easier to not do it and it becomes harder and harder to actually do it so it's like I caught myself the other day I was about to walk out of out of our room and I noticed the bed wasn't made I yeah. was like ah oh, the bed's not made like it's, it's fine and I was about to walk out the door and I was like no go yeah. to the bed you could like, you did it yeah of course I did <laughs> boy. well that's so like one of, like one of the small that, things yeah. the small standards that you need to uphold yeah um, and like you can uphold the stand like the standards every day for a year and then not do it for a week and you've kind of like fallen off the wagon like it's yeah. it's really it's a really simple thing like one of the things I don't do I maybe do once a week is make the bed like because yeah. I'm up early yeah true um, I'll jump out of bed tuck KP in and leave and then yeah. you know Sundays might be the day where KP's up before me or a Thursday actually it's always Thursday because that's my sleeping day um, where I'll get up maybe half an hour, an hour after KP. Yeah. 
and Thursday night I'm all, it's always you didn't make the bed again I'm like shit I've got to sort that out gosh like, darn it I, I, uh, it's one of those what's the opposite of a habit it's a, it's a non-habit like it's, it's a, a thing that because I don't do it often I, I forget about it yeah, yeah I'm sure there's a technical term yeah. um, but you know on that on that like little wins and goal setting thing like one of the things we try and celebrate with our clients is the importance of setting those little wins and little goals yeah and um, like I know you just read the book The Code of the Extraordinary Mind which <sighs> great read highly recommend a bunch of people uh, have um, have suggested to it what, what was the main like we watched a little couple of little YouTube videos on that last night what was your main takeaway so from that book I'll give you a brief, a brief rundown of what I was about first and I'll give you my biggest takeaway so uh, actually I'll give you a bit of a context as well so I finished reading Sapiens another fantastic book shout out don't shout have a shout out but we're in Sydney damn, damn it. it finished reading Sapiens which is all about uh, it's a brief history of mankind from when we evolved from apes to the present present time and about how culture evolved and we introduced money and language and religion and all these different factors of that define our society now. So that was about how culture was developed. Code of the Extraordinary Mind was about how to break free of these old, uh, these old dogmatic beliefs. That Great are, use of the word dogmatic. Thanks, mate. That are <laughs> um, essentially not valid anymore, or. They're just not... Uh, what's the word I'm trying to... They're, they're extinct. So these... It's about how to form your own beliefs, tread your own path, uh, and it's it's just... It's fantastic. It goes through about how to set goals uh, the right way, about how to not attach your happiness to goals about how to not it's, delay happiness but it's about how to not now. like that video I was talking about how to not um, attach your happiness to like big audacious goals but attach your happiness to like little yeah achievable goals right and almost almost attach your happiness to the, f- the feelings that these goals bring well, that's not cool. the physical goal itself like if I wanted to my goal is to uh, own a Ferrari I'm not going to attach <laughs> my happiness to own the Ferrari I want to attach my happiness to um, the feeling of accomplishment yep. of, of earning it yeah that's cool and that can be brought about in other ways not just by owning the Ferrari it can yeah. be like um, buying a new book or like what makes you feel something else. like most accomplished like day to day like I don't mean you know in 30 years when you've got a family and you've got lots of yeah, little so coops and little Sally running around <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to us. Shout out to us. Uh, what makes you feel most accomplished? I think doing what I set out to do, or achieving what I set out to uh, to accomplish or achieve that day. I've got my so every day I, I do my journaling in the morning. I set out my minimums, which are my minimum expectations or standards that I want to accomplish every day. Uh, and these are just small things that I know that if I tick that box then it will mean I'm moving towards being the best version of myself that day yeah so drinking three litres of water eating three good quality meals 
having a cold shower in the morning, journaling, all this little stuff, which uh, by the end of the day, if I've ticked off, usually I probably tick off about six or seven. Yeah. If I know that I've done that, then that's a win for me. Yeah. If you don't hit all of them, do you feel like you failed or you just like, you feel I don't like... feel like I've failed. I, I mean, if I hit all 10, that's a perfect day. Yeah. And that means that I've taken... Uh, taking time out of my day to hit all these things. So what's a like? What's a win for you? Is it six, seven? To be honest, I don't. I don't even don't. set a a win or a loss to these. Yeah, cool. It's just these are the things I'm aiming to do. If I don't hit them, that's fine. Yeah. Because some days I'm not going to hit them. Some days, if I'm flat out at uni or if I'm flat out working, <clears throat> then I might not have the opportunity to have a good quality lunch or. I might not have time, have time to have a nap if I've not slept uh, very well the night before. Yeah. Uh, and someone that, that we both follow, uh, Alex Sharfin, calls that uh, failing gracefully. And that's setting these big goals and falling short of them, but being okay with it. Yeah. And uh, normally... Normally, I'm not okay with that, I suppose. I want to achieve the things that I set out to achieve. Yeah. That's the purpose you're of okay with it on those goal. daily goals. Yeah, these daily things are just little things that are bonuses, nearly. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's like... <clears throat> yeah, that failing gracefully thing is kind of... It's, it's something I've resonated with really heavily because it's a little it's a little area of my life that I always, like, overshoot or I overset goals. Yeah. So I always try to... Yeah, definitely. ...do overset. too much in too short a time like yep. say it's you know I want to grow our Alberta's family by 50 members over the next 6 months we're, we're in 50 members 6 months you know that's a lot of, that's a lot of new members but mm. if I kind of go well you know if I can help improve all the members we've got then add you know 2 a month for the next 6 months then there's well over 50 members that we're looking after and then that's much more achievable one and it's not yep. like it's not like I'm lowering my standards. I'm st- we're still helping just as many people, but it's making sure that the way I talk to myself around that goal is positive, and it's it's going to reinforce that positive behaviour. Or it's like yep. I want to read 100 books this year, but I get through 60, I've failed because <laughs> I'm like yep. 40 40 books short. But if I set it as you know, like even though I'm 40 books short, I've still read 60 books. Yeah but I'm probably not going to feel as good as if I said, you know what, I'm going to read 40 books this yeah, year. Exactly. And then hit 60, you're like, fire out, that was a cool year. Yeah. Um, That's actually one of the goals. So when I was away, I was in Bali recently, and uh, it was sort of a good opportunity for me to reassess on the goals that I set out at the start of the year, sort of midway midway through 2018, thought I would just re- sort of assess where I was at and... Uh, reset any goals that I needed to yeah and reading books was actually one of them I, th- I wanted to I, want, I think I wanted to hit 26 books so one every two weeks yeah and I think I was just short of halfway there but realised that I wasn't going to hit it and that made me reassess aim a bit lower and I'm still going to try and hit that 26 yeah. But if I don't, then that's fine. Like, I'll picture books, mate. Picture books. Just load up on like The Hungry Hungry Caterpillar. It's a classic. Oh, um, the Rainbow Fish, I think it's called. That was a pretty good one. 
yeah. uh, spot. Rainbow Serpent, I'm thinking. Oh, that's no, like no, a. There's a Rainbow one, Fish right? one, isn't there? Fish, like, I know the one you're talking um, about. What else we got? Ooh. Those are all the picture books in, in my. In yeah, my I'm not sure. I'm going to dig out the. Uh, when did you start? Like, did when did you start loving reading? I loved reading. Primary school. Because I know you froth on it now. Yeah, I but, used to. I used to froth on it big time. Yeah. Like I would get home from school and sit on the couch. This is like Harry Potter era. Awesome. Sit on the couch and just read until dinner time, and then That's awesome. go to bed and read more. That's nice. Uh, and then probably when I started uni, I sort of lost, or maybe even like towards the end of high school. Yeah. Sort of maybe I didn't lose the love for it, but I just lost the routine of reading regularly. Yeah. And I think with uni as well, we're always reading and studying for for uni for another purpose yeah yeah so it's not uh, takes the fun out of it maybe a little bit but in probably in England I did you go to England? yeah I went to England uh, <laughs> look that's another story for another time <laughs> but but uh, I sort of found the love for it again yeah. loaded up on a few on a few books and um, then coming back here as well with you obviously diving in has been a big catalyst as well. Yeah, I've it's got that addictive cool. personality where I like something and then decide to do all of it. Yeah. Let's uh let's do hope all I, the books. Yeah. <laughs> let's <laughs> hope I never never jump onto heroin because I'll be in trouble. <laughs> Shit. Um, but I think it, yeah, I don't know. The book thing is kind of interesting because I felt like fell out of love with it for a long period of time and then. I've, I, actually I probably I reckon when I was maybe early I was about to say like early before teens what's that when you're like 5 to 10 5 to 10 yeah late yeah. single digits when I was late single digits <laughs> back, back in the day is there even a word for that no I don't know I think I'm making stuff up um, I need to read more books um, but I remember Nana Nana got me onto or like she was an English teacher, so or is, you know, was. Um, she's a teacher, so she had a heap of books at her place, and every time we'd go visit her and Pa, yeah. she'd either give us a couple or we'd read them, and Sick. and that's kind of like my earliest memory of loving books. Like I remember, yeah, oh, Enid Blyton, yeah, um, books. Good. I used to love when I was the a kid. Uh, Faraway Tree, Faraway Tree, yeah, yeah awesome. Um, one, actually, one of my earliest memories of reading was yeah. in grade two. So our teacher would read The Faraway Tree. That's cool. In front of us. Yeah. And then, because I love reading so much, I volunteered to get up and read in front of the class. Oh, what a kid. Yeah. Nerd. That was... <laughs> Teacher's pet. <laughs> that's super cool, though. But, yeah, that's, like, one of my earliest memories of reading and, like, being comfortable reading and just, like, voluntarily getting up and Yeah, and, doing and I was... <clears throat> like, when I was a kid, I was always really good at English. Like, I don't know whether I would have been anyway, but hmm. it was, like... Apart from <coughs> PE, um, yeah, it was always my favourite subject. Yeah, um, like throughout English like and high school, throughout, throughout primary school and high school, like cool. Um, and I reckon that's because I used to read so much when I was a kid. So you just yeah. like comprehension comes to you naturally when you're reading. Definitely. At every extra second that you have. Yeah. And then I kind of yeah, high school we obviously had the books we had to read. And I did like advanced English and all that kind of stuff, but it probably wasn't until a couple of years ago where I'm like I'm going to get back into reading <clears throat> bought a couple of books never read them <laughs> and then I don't know something just clicked 
at the end of last year I was just oh, maybe yeah middle of the end of last year I was just like gotta start reading again do you know what it was that made um, you I don't know I've always I've always been like pretty hungry for learning yeah to learn um, and I guess obviously through high school and through look anyone like mum would probably say I wasn't hungry to learn in high school which is fair enough I was probably more <laughs> worried about footy and stuff and then priorities uni, right yeah and then uni was probably fairly similar like we lear- I learnt cool stuff um, but would get most of my like interesting learning done on either YouTube or like um, training or bodybuilding books yeah and then obviously uni finished <coughs> dove into the business world and read a few books about business and then yeah middle of last year was probably like my 18 month anniversary of um, like listening to a lot of a lot of like Joe Rogan podcasts and yeah. and diving into long form storytelling and conversation that way yeah so I think that prob- that was probably like a stepping stone to get me back into reading and then like I've just gone stupid the last six months um, yeah but yeah I don't know it's cool because it's like forces me to have time where I'm not thinking I'm like even though you're thinking and reading and learning you're not stuck in your head and you're not scrolling Facebook and you're not worried about the things you're not doing you're just mm. immersed in a story or do you least, read that many fictional books I've been <clears throat> I go through stages of like reading some either load up on like personal development for a period of time then it might be load up on and it's funny because like all personal development development books are all about like how you can help other people and how you can make an impact so yeah. you know the, the word personal development is really interesting um, what's well, almost how how do you stimulate as much growth for you which then allows you to give back to others yeah yeah because um, people like people think of like personal development is like self help where it's just like well why wouldn't you want to improve yourself yeah like, I don't there's know almost, why there's a stigma there's like a stigma around it yeah I don't know it's really interesting but then I'll go through like some business books and I'll dive into them and yeah and I'm I'm getting better at kind of knowing what I feel like reading like cool I um I had like a month where I pretty much just solely read um like autobiographies so nice uh, which I guess you could say is both personal development and business kind of combined yeah because um, most of the guys books I'm reading are like business owners but yeah now I've kind of I've jumped into like George Orwell and so what are you reading now? I'm reading 1984 George Orwell <laughs> um, which is a heavy book what a read it's a uh, yeah I'm only like 100 pages in but it's um, you know it's one yeah. of those books that I think most people read at school that we, we didn't we didn't do it at school yeah um, I think I did that must have been year 12 it's, it maybe. seems like the kind of book that would be a, a VCE book, not yeah. a not a middle school book. I read so we read Animal Farm in yeah. year ten. Yeah, I think. nice. Yeah, see, I read that a couple, oh, maybe yeah. a month and a half ago, and that was a really interesting look at, I guess, not power and how it how it um how yeah. it changes your beliefs and desires and things like that. It's a cool, like little history book as well, really. Cause yeah. It's about like Cold War, right? Yeah. Like communists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Free world, almost. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's about, you know, for me, it's about the importance of, like, knowing what you set out to do in the first place and um, 
you know, obviously there's <coughs> some of the same themes kind of carry across into 1984, but it's all around like how easy it is to get indoctrinated into a system where you don't necessarily believe in it, but then you almost like forget yeah. or lose what you thought beforehand. Um, uh-huh. You know, like it becomes the new normal. Yeah, it's, new it's normal. Yeah, like I like, look at like obviously I started reading this book a couple of days ago, but because um, I'm I'm currently juggling two books, which is against my rule but I'm doing it anyway so deal with it um, but I was thinking yesterday and it's just like this is like how people get stuck in situations where they aren't necessarily happy or they're not thriving because they just get used to doing something that they kind of don't like and then you know they just get used to it and mm. it becomes new normal you know whether it's yeah. a job you don't like or like friendship that's not serving you anymore or a relationship or something like that like yeah. it's really easy to get stuck into it or get stuck in it yeah. um, and not pull yourself out yeah definitely um, that's it, that's what the um, the code of the extraordinary mind touches on as well yeah about how these outdated beliefs uh, may not be serving you anymore or they've been taught to you or they've been introduced into your life because it's just been passed down from yeah. parents and friends in school and and everyone's doing their best right but like yeah and I find now when you get to like 20 mid 20s and like rolling into the second half of my 20s now like you start to realise that no one's got a fucking clue what they're doing yeah. <laughs> everyone's like kind of kind of thinks they know what they're doing but at the end of the day like everyone's just having a crack and yeah. trying to do the right thing and that's the thing as well like there's only so much that you can change or question yeah like this is a thought that occurred to me earlier like we were sort of talking about school schooling before yeah. listening to a um, listening to a talk about schooling and like the question that I asked is do you think schooling will ever change from what it is now like will schooling will high school for example ever be voluntary or like the the systems that govern our society now are so set in stone like yeah. we we it's go like to school we, when we're we six years old because it's what we've always done exactly. well, always done we've done and it's so outrageous to even think that it can be changed yeah um go to school when we're six until we're 18 years old and then we either go into university or go into a job yeah and then we work at that job until we're 60 years old and then we retire gold watch (laughs) gold watch then you're in your twilight years and you like I don't know do the things that you wish you'd done when you were 20 (laughs) buy a caravan drive around a bit yeah die I don't know that like that part of life scares the hell out of me in like in terms of or that uh, maybe not that part of life but that um, like path um, that path scares me yeah it scares me that we might go through life without doing things that we wanted, wanted to, to do or yeah. living a life that was predetermined by us and we didn't have any say into how we yeah you gotta think it. there's like <clears throat> um, you know the whole like oh that's just a cliche kind of thing that comes up but I'm like well cliches are cliches for a reason so so we've got to have followed these paths or this path for a reason yeah. like whether it's because it's easiest or because you know obviously uh, 
you're like early 20s or like late teens you're like I'm never going to settle down like I'm never going to have kids or stuff like that and then like your priorities and your thought patterns and things like that change when you get older and you're like Oof, maybe I do want kids now like maybe I do want to settle down and get a white picket fence and you know, <laughs> yeah. buy, buy a Range Rover and you know Ooh. go to the beach on Saturdays and things like that like maybe that does become what you want so it's it's yeah. really easy to sit here at 26 and yeah definitely kind of look at it and go well I don't want any of that but maybe I'll get to 32 yeah. and just want a couple of kids and just want to settle down and, and do that but then again maybe I won't um, but back on the school thing like it's it's really easy just to do things because that's the way they're done yeah and um, <clears throat> I'm not going to dive into the topic because you know nowhere near intelligent enough red wine yet <laughs> nowhere near intelligent <laughs> enough to actually um, think about it properly but um, I've dived into a, a little bit of like stuff on free will over the yeah. last like couple of months I read um, Sam, I read Sam Sam Harris's, Harris's book, book yeah. Free Will uh, and listened to a few <clears throat> a few debates um, yeah. between like Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson and yeah those guys uh, Richard super, Dawkins super um, and a few of those guys and it's it's really cool to hear <clears throat> I guess intellectuals discuss free will um, yeah and one of <laughs> one of Christopher Hitchens quotes um, that he that he said in one of the debates or like I'll never forget it's just like well I um, I always get asked the free will question but whether or not I believe in it I don't have a choice <laughs> yeah and then, like that's like it's really interesting because yeah, cool. I try and I try and look at it as we don't have free will because and they've done studies that show that our brain reacts to a decision before we actually make the decision um, interesting so we actually have that impulse that shows what we're going to do before we actually consciously know so it's like well how much of it is actually free will so I tend to believe that there isn't free will but we have a bandwidth where we can still make decisions so yeah I I agree with that I think like coming back to like society's path that's already been laid out for us yeah that's that's the life that we are probably going to live yeah and like you said we have a uh, there's boundaries to how much how far we can push that I guess yeah uh, and we can we can choose we can make certain decisions of what that path is going to look like but we're still going to end it up in the same spot I look at it like one of those um, <clears throat> choose your own adventure like Goosebumps books good <laughs> so like that's this is an analogy an, an analogy that I was kind of I started writing it like a little article on but it confused me too much to actually keep going but (laughs) so basically like our life is like a a choose your own adventure goosebumps book you're eventually going to get to the end you're going to die and whatever happens after that who knows but on the way like all of your available decisions are already made for you you just have to choose you know whether it's option A, B, B or C but you do that you know obviously a goosebumps book you've got a finite amount of times you can do it but in life you've got still a finite amount of times but significantly more than if you're reading a book so every every day you kind of you know do you go through door one door two door three repeatedly over and over for your whole life and all of those decisions 
But do you think even those decisions are predetermined by the path that we've led up to that point? Yeah, 100%. Like, Sapiens, um, the book Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari that you mentioned before is one that kind of solidified that idea in my head that so many so many traits character traits and personality traits and um, things that we feel as though make us who we are are determined by like human history and you know the reason why we do certain things and we act certain ways and we say certain things and we believe certain things are because um, that was what was determined you know a couple hundred thousand whatever years ago um, yeah like yeah it's like in our DNA almost that yeah is, well it is like yeah. it, it, genu- it, it is like it's five million how many million years have humans been around 500 million years or something I don't know I have like, like humans yeah, single like celled organisms whatever yeah. um, we're all fish by the way we watched a cool little uh, yeah. TED talk last night on that we're all fish so google that <laughs> um, what are we talking about uh, about DNA oh, about yeah. predetermined parts uh, like one of, one of the things that was really interesting was and I'm going to butcher this I'm going to get it wrong but um, one of the um, rulers of Rome it might have been Caesar it might have been Max Aurelius I can't even remember but they decided like his de- it was his decision to make um, Christianity like the Constantine was it Constantine yeah. there you go um, it was his decision to make Christianity the the In overarching the year, uh, 300 uh, tell me AD. tell me you know that yeah yep. 300 yeah good so 300 AD, he decided to make Christianity the yeah. the ruling religion, right? Mm-hmm. So if he if that wasn't a decision made by a single person in one single year at one point in time, yeah, then every year after that would have been different in some yeah. in some way. Like it's it's almost that's a bizarre thought the butterfly effect on a historical um, yeah. scale, um, definitely. Where yeah, so it's yeah, but then it like makes you think okay so everything up from you know single celled organism to now has got us to here so what are the things that we can do as <coughs> as humans to slightly alter the the future for everyone else mm-hmm. like create that ripple yeah if someone if someone time. and like that's one of the millions of examples but if someone can make a decision like that to yeah. change the course of human history for a yeah. grand statement <laughs> like well that's the that's thing we don't know if we if the actions that we take today will have that impact yeah we could I don't know be we could attend a rally in support for women's rights or something and that could be the biggest uh, fa- deciding factor in laws that change and then yeah change how society is <laughs> governed like in a hundred years yeah I don't know things like things like that don't I guess we can't underestimate the small things that we the small actions that we take day to day yeah and it's <clears throat> that like whole insignificance argument like whether we're just part of a <clears throat> a giant web or a giant machine or whether we're actually you know we're in a simulation we're in a simulation maybe <clears throat> if Elon Musk uh, is correct and if he could stop calling people pedophiles that'd be great yeah that's a bit rude <clears throat> um, not important though not important to the uh, off topic to what we're talking about but um, 
I don't know if you're going to be an eccentric billionaire with who's trying to take us to Mars you know Own it. got to say some <laughs> say some things to some people to piss them off maybe <laughs> um. <laughs> how bloody cool is that uh, cave rescue by the way amazing I thought it was going to have a, a not very happy ending yeah it, um, it seemed that way they but somehow did it yeah I don't know I'm, sh- I'm sure everyone listening would not have lived under a rock pun intended um, for, a, for a couple <laughs> too for, soon for a couple too of weeks soon. <laughs> too soon <laughs> <laughs> it would not have lived under a rock a couple of weeks and to see, <laughs> to see <laughs> you like that <laughs> to see um, I don't know hundreds of people get together to formulate a way to rescue those 13 um, Thai kids out of the cave was, mm. was pretty pretty cool yeah very cool um, pretty amazing how you know like we talk about Constantine making a big decision like that yeah. um the Australian doctor who's also a diver who made a decision to, to go and help yeah because um, I was reading a I think there were two Australians that went over wasn't yeah it? two over they went over together they they were um, planning a trip um, to the Nullarbor or something like that so oh, they wow. were literally 45 minutes away from leaving and they got the call to jump on a plane and that's sick and head over and then for them to kind of oversee the health of the kids while the Thai yeah. and British and Australian Navy SEALs and all the divers figured that's, out a way to get them out it was pretty cool that sort of restores your faith in humanity a little yeah. bit that yeah, it's people like, can set aside good job humans own. yeah I mean people and, are inherently good, good I think yeah I agree I agree like some people are just cunts put wow. that on put, strong language put that on a t-shirt strong language for but, a Thursday but, evening yeah. but I agree like some some like majority of the population just are trying to do their best yeah, with the you know, with the hand they've been dealt to make the best of mm. a bad or of a situation, whether it's good or bad or whatever. I think yeah, I think even people who make bad decisions or people who are oh, I was going to say evil, but evil is a strong word. What constitutes constitutes a bad decision though? Like, does a well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, it it could be in the service of something good. Yeah, like someone might rob a rob a grocery store to feed their family like it's a crime yeah but but they're, they're doing, doing it for a bigger yeah, purpose to serve others, other, other people <laughs> yeah uh, then yeah you wonder like, like how many how many decisions were made um, or how many reactions or actions were taken to lead to that point yeah um, mm. like you hear yeah, because you never hear about the little things that led to that. You hear about the person taking outrageous action to yeah to justify the means. But you know, do you th- do you think in something like that the ends justifies the means? Like if you're doing it for uh, family or or whatever. <clears throat> oh, I don't think it's my place to say. Really, I think. I mean, I haven't experienced those sort of hardships that would force me yeah. to those those extreme measures uh, I mean I, I, I feel for those sort of, those people and I think if I was in their shoes then maybe I'd do something similar but at the same time we live in a society we live in a a community where we're governed by these rules and laws that dictate how we have to behave and if we behave, if we break those laws or break those rules, then we have to 
pay the consequences for that. Yeah. Um, that's just how it is. Like. Yeah, but unless we, we, did, all, we didn't necessarily sign up for it. No, we just, but unless we, just we all question it. those rules. Yeah. As a collective, then they're not going to change. Yeah, well, it's like <clears throat> to go back to sapiens. It's like well, all yeah. these things we've just kind of agreed on. <laughs> yeah, they're like just collective, collective figments of our imagination. Yeah, <laughs> like like money isn't like doesn't have any value. No, it's a bit of paper with something printed on yeah, it. Yeah, but unless you know, if enough people agree that it holds value, then it's going to hold value. Like, yeah, that's uh, how currency fluctuates. Yeah, <laughs> because people decide how much this is worth. Yeah, this bit of paper is worth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's. You know, it, it beca- then it becomes a. It becomes one of those things where it, well, it depends on like it's environmental, just as much as it's um, consequential, on whatever's actually happening. So, you know, mm. those rules are rules until they're not. Like, look at um, medical marijuana being or medical marijuana being legalized in so many states in the US, <clears throat> and just like why does it have the need to be legalised well because it, at some point people decided that like, this is bad this, this is evil um, yeah. and decided that we we didn't want it or didn't need it or you know so it's damn 60s <laughs> the bloody 60s well, but then like you look at you know that whole like well alcohol's a drug thing well yeah it is and it was also illegal <laughs> and then they changed their mind so like was it really? honestly, alcohol was it? the prohibition Oh, of course. Alcohol yeah. in like okay. the twenties. Um, yeah, right. Like, I don't know. So it's it's really interesting. How did they? Ch- how, why did they decide that alcohol was was allowed to become legal, and then things like marijuana and psychedelics and things were banned? Good question. I'm just googling why it ended. <laughs> Good. Um, so so alcohol prohibition was from 1920 yeah. to 1933 so wow. for 13 years alcohol was, just in the US? was illegal yeah I'm pretty sure I don't know if it was in Australia I don't think so Australians wouldn't allow that sort of thing what brought prohibition to the end well the 30s that so would have been just before the start of amendment to the constitution yeah that was 39 though. that's not going to happen in 6 years mate well, we, can two six years. Half, we can get 2 and a half Olympics in <laughs> <laughs> one and a half Olympics mate Mississippi ended prohibition in 1966 really? there you go fun fact right. how prohibition was repealed cool so just because it was unpopular by the by the looks of things so that's really interesting because then obviously like in the 19 was it 60s when like Nixon came in and came in Nixon decided to ban like yeah all, all of those those drugs um, yeah well yeah, like uh, in the 60s, Timothy Leary, who was like one of the founding fathers of psychedelics, he, Richard Nixon called him the most dangerous man in, <laughs> yeah. in yeah. America or the world? In America. America, yeah. 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 It's um, wild. And like psychedelics then were, were obviously shown to, um, to help with a variety of different um, mental illnesses and things like that. And obviously now they're, you know, 1999, they started kind of resurfacing in the in the literature and then 2006 there was a couple of studies and um, now they're being used in treatment for things like depression and anxiety and yeah and um, addiction and and it's um, yeah it's pretty pretty crazy that like 
because they're just substances, right? They're just mm. <clears throat> compounds that we call certain things and, and use for certain things that um, them in, in itself aren't evil. They're just... They're just not understood. Understood, yeah. They're, yeah, they're just used for different purposes. Like, we look at coffee and it's like, well, this is the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> but all it is is a chemical po- compound that our body reacts to a certain way. So... Um, yeah. So it's really, it's really interesting. Like there was with the the cave story that we were talking about before. Like the kids were sedated, um, and reports have said they were sedated with ketamine. And everyone, everyone's like this massive uproar around yeah. around ketamine being used on kids. Oh, it's a horse, horse tranquilizer. Well, no. <laughs> well, yes. It, like maybe it's used to tranquilize horses in some aspects, but then it's also used as an anesthetic in other aspects. And yeah, you know, there's also used in like warfare for. <laughs> like medical toolkits for soldiers yeah yeah and it's used to treat starting to being used to treat depression and um as well so i don't know it's it's really interesting to see the legalization of these things that were just decided by certain governments or certain people to be to be evil Mm. um see it starting to take a have a new kind of light to it um yeah, because I don't know that like that stuff interests me a lot because obviously um, like one of the books I'm reading at the moment now is How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan and like Michael Pollan's mm-hmm. one of the um, most influential authors of all time and he's um, he's written all these books around food and how food's processed and um, and you know different ways of, of eating and things like that and to have someone who's I guess respected and revered like that um, jump onto the mm. the psychedelic strain like it kind of makes you take notice a little bit um, definitely like obviously a lot of the people that <clears throat> that I look up to like guys like Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss and, and Aubrey Marcus um, have kind of been yeah banging on about it for a little while and you know like I'm as I have been like as anti-drugs as they come for most for of my sure. life but then you kind of start to question like why and like what what is constituted as a drug and it's kind of yeah. like that line between legal and illegal is really interesting to me because it's you know alcohol obviously was illegal and then you know maybe in 20 years we'll look at alcohol prohibition and alcohol is probably one of the most dangerous drugs out there because it's abused so much mm. and is that because it's illegal Could, because it is legal maybe um, but is it because it's you know a consumable product that's marketed to the nth degree maybe like um or is it just because like anything you've got to tailor your tailor your use to to suit what it is you're taking like you know one could argue that rather than alcohol being one of the worst drugs for you like Buzz Buzz are the worst drugs. <laughs> Sugar. Look, look, to be honest, no, no, Sugar. I was just trying to think of a consumer product. But, it, like, if I eat Mars Bars every day for the next 10 months, yeah, like, only Mars Bars, or if I have a beer every day for the next 10 months, which one do you think is going to have a worse outcome? <laughs> like, I'm not going to be in great nick. Either way. Either way. <laughs> but, like, I wonder if your body could survive on just Mars Bars. My guess would be yes. Uh, it's just fat in it. There's just, just no protein. Like, micronutrients. No. Maybe my hair would fall out, but I think it'd be okay. Yeah. I don't know, but that's but it's an interesting one, right? Like how yeah, how um 
yeah, what's that, like, what's our definition of a drug in this day and age where more and more of what we call illicit substances, yeah. with quotation marks, are becoming uh, becoming legal, and there's more and more studies coming out showing that they have potential to be used as treatment for like mental illness and yeah and other um, disorders yeah yeah one of the things that I remember I used to love Dr. Carl it was probably my first podcast I got into was Dr. Carl Um, so shout out to the great man if he's listening (laughs) (laughs) Um, one of the things I remember him saying in one of his podcasts was everything is a poison what matters is the dose so obviously like yeah like whether it's a drug or whether it's a poison whatever like cyanide there's cyanide in apples is it really <laughs> tiny cool. little bit um, yes. like you know we can overdose on water like yeah like little things like that where you kind of it checks your belief system or I guess like assumptions that you make about certain things where it's um, where it's okay well maybe this isn't this thing isn't good or bad or it's it's just it's indifferent because it what matters is how we actually utilize it Mm. Um, and like one of the things that it's kind of been really interesting me over the last couple of months has been the the use of things like psychedelics for uh, I guess spiritual use rather than um, rather than like medical use Um, like one of the papers that I remember Michael Pollard talked about in um talked about in his book um, was I think it was called and I'm probably going to butcher this but it was called psilocybin can occasion m- mystical type experiences having substantial and sustained personal meaning and spiritual significance and like that was like a, a yeah. double blind placebo controlled like study yeah. from like 2006 so it's legit, so it's legit. Yeah. Um, by Roland something I can't remember the guy's name um I only put the book down yesterday, like part of the book down yesterday, so I really should remember that. But Roland Griffiths, I think. Anyway, not Take important. A word for it. No, no one's going to know who that is <laughs> unless you read the book. Um, but <clears throat> obviously, I'm talking about um, doing it in a controlled setting and and with um, like s- synthetic um, psilocybin and how those kind of mystical experiences or spiritual experience or experiences or whatever way you want to actually like look at it how it can actually um, improve someone's life or improve someone's quality of life by changing the way they think mm. um, spirituality is a funny one yeah because there's even a sapiens touches on this as well but there's a like a growing movement toward being spiritual rather than religious yeah and being spiritual doesn't mean that you believe in a higher power or you believe in um, believe in religion itself, but you I don't know what you would describe it's, as spiritual, like being it's spiritual like, it's like you have a I think you have a, a I don't know if it's understanding is the right word but you have a an appreciation for what you don't know yeah or what yeah what can't be known yeah for the potential of like the human mind and and like you know obviously having seen or heard people that I respect talk about these subjects like you listen to Tim Ferriss or 
uh, Michael Pollard or Aubrey Marcus or Joe Rogan like talk about their experiences and it's like they can't even put it into words and, yeah. and the words they use is just like love and connection and, and all those kind of things yeah. and it's just like well how much extra is out there that we don't actually know about and yeah. you know one of the books that I was telling you about before it's called Proof of, Proof of Heaven um, I can't remember the guy's name who wrote it but I'm sure if you just google Proof of Heaven you'll find it but it's about a neuroscientist who <clears throat> I think he contracts meningitis um, and he's in a coma for a significant period of time and then comes out of the coma and um, kind of talks about these vivid experiences. Um, I don't know if the experiences would be the word, but these mm, vivid yeah. like visualisations and dreams and hallucinations and things like that that he like can only really link it to a higher power or um, I think he calls the, cool. that feeling like it or... Um, or om or oh, om he calls it om yeah um, so obviously things like that are really interesting um, and that connection to whatever other levels of consci- consciousness there are um, yeah well that's like the expansion of human consciousness which psychedelics I think is exploring more of mm. how to access those sort of unlocked areas of your your brain and your mind which we have no understanding of yeah well one of the um the diagrams in the book is <coughs> it yeah. shows like the connections from different parts of your brain and i think we'll post that up somewhere because that is awesome yeah um i think it was talking about like a part of your brain um a part of your brain stem and another part of your brain like basically switches off and stops doing its job during these experiences yeah so all of these different parts of your brain that don't usually communicate with you, with each yeah. other start building um building connection and, and yeah. linking each other and what is it that um switches off i can't what, remember i can't remember. mind yeah um, i'd have to i'd have to have another look at the book but yeah. um but some part switches off which allows all these other connections yeah. to opens the gates for all these other connections to just like proliferate yeah throughout your brain i think like people who have been through that experience and um they use the like use the term like that's your ego disappearing and switching mm. off for that period of time yeah um, and that like that's something that really interests me that mm. like loss of ego that separation from of ego and self and and that I guess uh, surrender to whatever is mm. out there and not trying to use ego to kind of protect yourself or or something like that um, yeah I think yeah that it's, it's just super interesting to explore and it's a way like I think oh, I, th- I was reading something the other day that the uh, the effects on your brain of classic psychedelics is similar to that of um, like lifetime meditators yeah. so people who yeah. have meditated for like for 30 years yeah. yeah like have clocked 10,000 hours meditating yeah so know how to like get into a meditative state just yeah. like that Tim Ferriss talks about that yeah I think it was in Tim Ferriss's podcast with Mike Pollan yeah and the they can enter these sort of altered states of consciousness almost yeah yeah um, yeah I don't know it's like 30 years meditating for an hour a day or 
do it in four hours with the help with some help. <laughs> yeah, like it's I don't know, it's an interesting one. I, I kind of look at it as so we've got um, five senses, right? If we were to take away one of those senses and have never had it, like, and then to be able to uh, explore it again or explore it for the first time, and to like. If you'd never touched anything in your life and you didn't know that touch existed and you didn't know it was a thing and your brain yeah. couldn't couldn't comprehend that touch was a thing. And then you were one day you woke up and you were able to touch things and feel things and have those experiences and have that that sensation, like how different your life would be. Like it's going yeah. from it's almost got like if you go four to five, it's going from eighty percent to hundred percent. Like yeah. it's yeah. it's adding this whole extra element to who you are and what you feel and what you do and how your body can experience things and I kind of look at and from like obviously reading and listening and hearing um, accounts like it's almost like that is a that's what they the sensation they they feel for that period of time yeah we were Um, talking about this earlier and we are talking about how it's discovering the full potential of the human experience and like we are we're potentially looking through we we are looking through life through a keyhole in a, a house full of, with a thousand rooms <laughs> yeah good so why not start exploring open the door rooms. and explore <laughs> the rooms yeah if there's a possibility that there is so much more to discover yeah, and I, like, I don't want to keep banging on about the psychedelics thing, but obviously it's a book that I've, like, a book and um, a lot of podcasts I've been listening to lately and we've been talking about it a little bit, yeah. um, like how interesting it is. But um, one of the experiments that um, scientists use to determine the addictiveness of certain drugs is they have, yeah, um, they have, I think they use mice or rats um, and they have a button they can press to give them a certain substance so for example it might be cocaine or something like that and in these in these experiments that the the mice whether they can press a button to give themselves food or they can give them a button to press the cocaine button they'll continuously press the cocaine button until they die Hmm. Um, because they're like giving themselves that little burst of pleasure and then again and again and again and they'll go for that before all other bodily needs and functions um and the same, I think it was the same thing for heroin and the same thing for... Yeah, maybe sugar um, or something. For sugar, or similar for sugar. But then, like, your psilocybin or your LSD, they do it once and they don't touch it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that's, really, that's really, really interesting. And it, it also talked about the <clears throat> importance of environment um, in something like that. So when the, when the mice or rats or whatever it was were given, were given a nicer cage with other mice and... Um, and a nice environment with food and all of the other things and, and create like a really um, bountiful environment, they didn't touch the cocaine. Yep. So I guess it like, um, I think it might have been Rogan that was talking about how important like environment is in all of these situations and mm. taking these substances or, um, or just in life, like how important the environment is and when you're in a shitty setting and in a shitty environment, how much that can impact your reaction or your um, your like 
feeling around um, or your experiences. Um, yeah, which is which kind of kind of interesting. What what book were you reading tonight? So I'm reading a book called Shape Shifting by John Perkins. He's written another book which I know you've read called Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Yes, it's uh, uh, it's basically a really simple book to tell us why the world's fucked up. Yeah. So, like Economic Hitman, you can Google it, and there's a couple of like little short videos of him talking about it's wild how he's kind of how Economic Hitman have kind of ruined the world. But long story short. Um, the US would find and I'm sure other countries are doing it or have done it um, but the US would find a country uh, for example Ecuador that have significant natural resources they'd come in and give that country a big loan um, for you know obviously development in in that area infrastructure and things like that and then the company obviously with the big loan would be unable to pay pay back the, the debt so they'd renege on the loan and then the US would bail them out for um, significant discounts on all the resources. Yeah, yeah. so they obviously yeah. like, so they bring all the oil companies in, they load up on all the oil for, <laughs> for next to nothing. Um, and like, he talks about how like the Iraq war, so obviously like it happened in Iran and Ecuador and, and a bunch of South American countries and a bunch of Middle Eastern countries. And the Iraq war is because they kind of started fighting back and they wouldn't, um, I can't remember what he what he said, but they wouldn't actually like start repay. They didn't want to repay the loans and stuff like that, so they started fighting back. So then yeah. the US sent in the military rather than their, yeah. their jackals, as he calls them, or economic hitmen. So yeah, it's, it's pretty it's pretty heavy. Yeah. It talks about how capitalism, like a certain arm of cap- capitalism, is just ruining the world. And yeah, that's the thing. Capital- there's nothing wrong with capitalism itself. Uh, it's just this like almost like an extremism. Yeah. extreme form of capitalism where yeah. the economic hitmen are just looking at the bottom line yeah it's, uh, it's for pretty the sake heavy of all else and it's like he talks about like this like he's obviously employed by another company but basically doing the bidding of the CIA and stuff like that like it's it's a crazy book like it's one of those books where you're like how is this guy still alive <laughs> yeah. um, with all the people that he's obviously talking about and all the organizations and stuff but then it's just like well the book's out there but Nothing's changing. Apart from it being on the Virtus podcast, no one really cares. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. But yeah, shape-shifting. Because yeah. it's, it's his follow-up book. Yeah, he's written, he's written a few books about um, shape-shifting and about, like, shamanism. And it's uh, it's a funny book. I'm, I'm about the same, about 100 pages through. Uh, it's really tr- it's, uh It's a funny book because I'm... Still trying to decide whether he's using shape shifting, as in transforming himself into another being, an animal or a tree or or anything. Trying to, still trying to decide whether he's using it as a metaphor, or if he's actually trying to turn himself in, transform himself into these things. It's got to be a metaphor, right? I think. Well, I think so. But he's he's visiting. It's it's told it as a story, and he's visiting all these different shamans and. Um, and priests and medicine men and they're talking as if this is a real thing yeah so I'm sort of I'm excited to see where it goes where it goes yeah um, and how it more can, like storytelling right yeah so he's just telling stories about how he how he's visited all these um, 
different shamans and, and people and these different sort of traditional cultures which believe in shape-shifting and how it's a, a force for understanding your environment and connecting with the natural world and about how wrong net today's society is and how we don't have those connections anymore. Yeah. And, he, and then he touches on the um, economic hitman, like that world, how it's such a stark so far comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm super interested to see where this goes. I sort of when when we went on this trip, I just said to Locke, "Pick me a book, <laughs> any book," and um, come up with this one. So I can't, I'm coming in with no expectations really, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Should be good. Yeah, I'm um, I'm looking forward to reading it at some point. It's on the ever growing. I've got like a three tier system for books I need to read. It's like the must read, the kind of want to read, and then the was suggested was was suggested, but I'll eventually get to. So <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely on there, and it's it's one of those books that yeah I don't know it really interests me that I guess connection to the natural environment. Like it's cool to read things like about grounding and about getting back in touch with for sure. With you know, just nature in general. And yeah. Obviously, I think, I think the biggest takeaway from it so far, and that I think I'm going to have, is just to like, and this is one of my mantras for this year: is just to be present and to, uh, I guess, appreciate, have gratitude, appreciate the small things, and yeah, connect with the natural world, connect with people rather than uh, being plugged in all the time. Yeah. I say as I check my phone, um, I, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it's something that like, I kind of make it an, an intention or a, um, something I, I am lucky enough to love so I do kind of naturally as I get outside. and um, Yeah, we're, we're super lucky where we live. <laughs> yeah. The peninsula is <clears throat> perfect for it. And like um, we went for a walk today through Sydney and yeah um, the concrete jungle the concrete <laughs> the concrete jungle but it was cool to walk through the or past the yeah. botanic gardens and see Definitely. a, a bunch nice. of rad trees and, and stuff like that but um, I think if you one of the things that I've been trying to do at work lately is if I'm like feeling stuck on something or feeling like I'm not getting anything done or feeling anxious or frustrated about a certain a certain thing or <clears throat> or you know something that we're we're working on and I feel like I'm just not getting through you blocked on I'll go out the back <coughs> um, which if anyone's been averted we've got a big park out the back and I'll just go for a walk yeah. um, and you know 15-20 minutes later you either forget what you you're worried about or you find a solution <coughs> yeah. really quick one of the things that Sally Ann and I would love to do is just to go for a walk down the beach or just go down to the lookout and just hang out there just so, chat like leave our phones at home yeah uh, like it just gives you such I don't know like clarity maybe yeah or, clarity, is, clarity is a good word but even if it's not like if you don't actually figure anything out like it just gives you a release and a yeah it's a clear and like you get that <clears throat> you get that in, like endorphin rush from like feeling the sand between your toes or like mm. looking out of the ocean or yeah <clears throat> or anything like that and I think that we can't you know in a like we're all go 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 all the time um, it's important to take a step back and yeah 
and being intentional with like leaving your phone at home like yes I need to do that a lot more it's so easy to just have it with you all the time yeah and you know I've definitely identified the last couple of months I've been way worse than I've been for probably like 6-12 months um yeah so I have been over the last like week or two I've been trying to put it put it aside or yeah. um leave it in the glove box or you know go somewhere and actually be present and you know it's always going to be a battle because phones are something that we need yeah I mean there's always you know, things need, demanding our attention we do need for for a bunch of different things and totally or like I think the trick is being able to be present enough and be mindful enough to just put it away for a small period of time and then you can actually yeah enjoy everything around you rather than just looking at your freaking phone um, but, but, in, but in saying that it does, does feel good to uh, people are going to hate you for that by the way got to enjoy a nice glass of red while we podcast <laughs> just, just while you enjoy hearing in your ears while you, while you listen to a podcast um, but yeah there's so many like different apps and different things trying to grab our attention now it's just yeah. it's got to separate from it and just get outside mm. even yeah. if it's raining just do it <laughs> nothing better than sometimes walking the road definitely definitely um, yeah. yeah good from you so uh, let's finish off yeah what are you excited for over the next six months closing out 2018 Jesus um, <clears throat> see we were talking like one of the things we were asked to write down today was what we're excited for mm. and um, and it's weird like I'm almost not excited for anything if that makes it like in a good way like I'm I know that <clears throat> I know that we're gonna <clears throat> pardon me we're gonna keep trying to, to trying to grow the team and trying to grow our impact and, and help more people at work like I know where I know I'm hopefully gonna go on a, a little holiday with KP I know I'm you know gonna be able to read and learn and listen and do all those kind of things like we've got a couple of We've got a like a couple of days retreat intensive with with our coaches in in a three or four weeks that we'll go to up, up in Byron and kind of escape yeah. for like I'm excited for like the footy finals and um, the rest of the year for footy and like all those little things but there's yeah. no like like big magical answer it's just I'm just excited for day, day to day yeah um, like I'm, I'm excited to finish my book and start another one like <laughs> I'm excited to send my weekly email tomorrow like I'm excited for mm. whatever tomorrow's uh, mastermind brings yeah excited cool. to fly home and actually no I'm really excited for Sunday morning I get to go to uh, a indoor plant sale you're all about the indoor plants obsessive uh, personality yeah but at least now I'm channel- channeling my indoor my indoor my obsessive personality to things like indoor plants <laughs> something healthy yeah so I'm gonna, going to uh, turn Good. my office into a jungle how's that <laughs> what about you? What are you excited for? Uh, yeah, I like what you said about just looking for the little things. Um, just your answer, mate. Well, it's not just your answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for... I potentially have a study tour to Europe in November. Oh, December, yeah, nice. Which will be uh, super cool. That'll be a two-week sort of intensive unit and then I'll do a couple of weeks just travel around that yeah um, that'd be nice which would be cool 
So and Sally Ann will hopefully come over as well for a little she bit. Bloody better. She better. And uh, my brother Tim will be in Europe around the same time, so it'd be cool to catch up with him. Nice. Uh, other than that, I mean, I've got the we've got the the retreat in a few weeks in Byron, which I'm really looking forward I think to. It's really easy to like look forward and just go like, well, we've got all this stuff coming up, but like we've also got 22 days or something between now and the Byron stuff yeah. where we can do so much cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's all the little stuff that I'm really looking forward to. I'm looking forward to getting stuck into like my little routine of, of um, hitting my minimums. And I start back at uni next week, so I'll have that constant challenge of balancing uni and work, which will be hard at the time, but I'm kind of looking forward to it as well. Uh, all that, like... One of the things I love that Drew said today was not about was like back when he was earning three hundred bucks a week it was hard and now it's like it's not easier it's harder yeah. but he's just gotten better and got, gotten more more responsibility more responsibility and more able mm. to deal with the difficult difficult stuff and the difficult times and and I think that's kind of like I don't know if I've spoken about it on the podcast but my new mantra is just transcend yesterday yeah so it's just about being better equipped to deal with all the better equipped to enjoy all the fun stuff and all the magical stuff and all the cool cool things that we get to do but then better equipped to deal with all of the hardships and the and the roadblocks and the and the bumps along the way yeah um because That's, that allows you to like the highs are higher and like some of the lows, lows are lower but you get to enjoy every day for what it is yeah definitely and you're always growing you're always growing and adapting to your changing circumstance like you yeah. you grow to fill out the space um, so like I'm looking forward to challenging ourselves a bit over the next six months and trying new things with Virtus uh, and pushing the boundaries a little bit on what we can achieve yeah um, yeah and I think and then, doing that while being really intentional with like the day to day yeah making people better yeah which is making ourselves better yeah I'm starting archery in a couple of weeks that's cool yeah why it's super cool why because I want to learn how to shoot a bow and arrow really accurately have you listened to Ted, Ted Nugent on, uh, no. on on Joe Rogan it's, it's very interesting cool that's all I'm going to say finish Put off to do list one, one book suggestion for everyone that's listening oh like if like any book you've ever read if like and like I don't believe that everyone should read the same books because you know everyone's different but if what's the book that I'm going to change the question what's the book that's most impacted you and that you like still remember how it made you feel or what it made so, you feel so the one that immediately comes to mind is Sapiens nice because I I do genuinely believe that everyone should read it you know he um, meditates two hours a day an hour in the morning an hour at night that's awesome Fun fact. And he said he wouldn't have been able to write so Sapiens and Homo Deus, which is the sequel. So meditate doing that. Meditate, y'all. Yeah, I got no time for that, <sighs> mate. I'm sixty hours in a week. If you you bark can do it. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's Sapiens. Fourteen hours a week. Yeah, he's got one hundred fifty-four hour a week. Including sleep. Including sleep. That's yeah. cool. So Sapiens. Um, yeah, Sapiens. I just think it was so so interesting. It gives me such perspective on where we are today as a, a society and a collective community 
uh, I just find I keep coming back to it and keep recounting the little stories and analogies that he uh, writes about. So, yeah, cool. I think that... And saying that, it was a book that I read last month. So, well, this month. So, uh, it's definitely at the front, forefront of my mind at the moment. Nice. Very good book. Um, the Alchemist. Oh, I swear you were going to say Principles by Ray Dalio, but... Let's <laughs> change it up, hey? The Alchemist. Got to keep book. everyone guessing. Great book. I was yeah. thinking about that the other day, actually. Yeah, I think it's The Alchemist... <clears throat> My best way of describing it, if you haven't read it, is it's a book that you should read once a year. Um, it's just a really, I say simple, but it's complex in, in a bunch of different ways. But it's like a, a basic, a simple story that you should stay on the path no matter what. And like keep taking, you know, step after step, left foot, right foot to get to where you want to go. Like it's never going to be like growth or improvement or progress is never going to be linear, but it's all about finding or finding just experiencing things and just letting the road take its course because if you you know thing, things always happen for a reason um, mm. Obst- the right obstacle thing, is the way yeah right. the obstacle is the way yeah there you go it's good and on that note good from you it's great to chat 